Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Swing Thoughts, the uh, leading mental performance golf podcast hosted by Tim O'Connor and golf spiritual leader Howard Glassman. Mr. O'Connor, as always, great to be with you in the studio once again. Yeah, it's nice. I haven't been in the uh, confines of the Humble and Fred studio for a while. It's it's lovely to be back here. And you know what? It's lovely to have you. But you, we've done it in this studio in the last couple of years. We have. Oh, we? absolutely. Yeah, of course. Many, many times. Many times. Um, but not for a while. Not for a while. Ta- Taylor Made in Adidas, of course, our main sponsor. is always a pleasure to... Uh, I mean, I was in a golf town the other day uh, looking at all the tailor-made stuff. It's very beautiful for Christmas. And Adidas, of course, makes great, um, what do we call it, soft goods or something? Uh, apparel. Apparel. Toggery. Yes. There we and, go. And um, we're lucky uh, because we have so many good friends in the golf business. One of them is with us today. He is the uh, head of uh, the Glen Abbey Golf Academy and one of the finest instructors in North America of both juniors and seniors. And he's a very nice person. Sean Casey joins us once again. Hey, Case. Fellas, good to be on the show. Good to be with you, sir. I was just looking at a note you sent me. Um... When I uh, was uh, when I won the club championship there in September, yeah. I sent uh, Sean. I said, "Hey, I finally won," and here's what he says. <laughs> Sean says, "Congrats! Was only a matter of time. The game that f's you pays you a dividend every now and then. Delayed gratification. Yes. And isn't that the truth, Coach? Yeah, you got to uh, you got to deal with delayed gratification in golf. That's for sure. Um." Well, you're on, you're on your landline, aren't you? I am. Can you hear me all right? Uh, yeah, I hear you fine. Just kind of a little bit of a phase effect there. Well, I did, just give me a sec here. Watch. Let me... Uh... How's that? Oh, that's so much oh, better. there you Dude. go. Oh, better for you. I was trying to go without holding the, the thing in my hand, but... Uh, nah, that, we'll that never first. works. Go old. Yeah, um, always hold the thing in your hand, Sean. <laughs> um, There's a maxim. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, there you go. We're doing a, a series of interviews with uh, coaches we like and instructors and guys that know a little bit about, well, a lot about the physical aspect of golf and a lot about how to meld the mental side and the physical side. So why don't you just explain to people, you know, we've talked to you uh, a couple of years ago when we first started doing the podcast. What do, um, what do you basically spend your time doing these days? Well, first, I just want to say congrats to you guys on, on uh, still going because it's easy to start stuff. Well, not even easy to start stuff. It takes some, some work to start, but, you know, it takes some uh, persistence to, to keep going. What, what show are you guys on now? 72, I think. No, I, I actually think we're around 77, 78. Wow. But three years. And, and you know yeah, what? Yeah. And, and you're right. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know? thank you. Thank when, you. It, when it comes to podcasts, I can tell you from having a lot of ex-broadcasters come into our studios and say, oh, I want to do a podcast like you and Fred. And we go, sure, here's the studio. And they do three. And then we never hear from them again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's so many phases. I mean, you got idea stage, which is exciting. And then you got, all right, actually starting it and doing it. Um, but then keeping it going is a whole nother thing. So, uh, well, I, thank you very much. And I think the, the reason I can, I won't speak for Tim, but for myself, I love talking golf. I love talking about it with Tim. And uh, we're lucky, as I said in the introduction, we know a lot of people in the business, and it's kind of a nice excuse, if you will, to have a conversation that the three of us might have over lunch, but over a microphone and uh, for people to hear. And that's uh, that's why I like doing it. Oh, yeah. And I, I find that uh, I just I learn so much. We have, by doing this little show, we are able to get really interesting people on the phone, uh, like 
Sean Casey or Dr. Ed Coughlin uh, two shows ago. Uh, just fascinating people that we can talk some deep nerd golf stuff with. And uh, it's, so it's a lot of fun and we can apply it to our own games and, and to our own coaching and so it's it's a gas so back to my back to my question uh you know most people know uh, have heard your name you've been a teacher in the gta for a long time but i know that last couple of years you've kind of not transitioned but you've more focused on junior development and is that what you spend your days doing now i do i spend most of my time for sure uh goes into preparing and uh Preparing to coach the the boys in my program. At any given time, there's 18 to 20 uh, high school boys that I am working with. Usually uh, come in sometime around grade nine, early high school, and uh, exit out of the program when they graduate and head out to university. So for me, it's an opportunity to really build relationships and and work with a student and know I've got about three or four years to work with them, which is fun. It doesn't mean we're not uh, pushing hard on the gas to get better fast, but there is that uh, realization that we have some time and we can go about it, uh, you know, building their habits over the course of a few years, which is, uh, and then you can go about doing it properly and not rush it. So, you know, in, in the um, spirit of authenticity and full disclosure, we're still getting some phasing on your phone. I'm wondering if it's just, um, I don't know, maybe it's the line. Maybe we should try it again. I don't know. Like now you sound fine. Okay. I'll try yeah. to. Like close, you sound great. Yeah, good right now? Yeah. Yeah. So you were saying you, you take these kids when they come into sort of their high school years, and you get to sort of, like, Tim and I met some of them. We were part of a, a seminar you put on about decade, and, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, did Was it a conscious thing for you, Sean, to sort of get away from teaching, you know, older men and women? Well, yeah, it was. And it's, um, you know, there was a transition a few years back in the golf industry and the teaching side of the business, I guess you'd say, um, sort of a transition from teaching to coaching. Mm. Um, and that's sort of at the PGA level. Our association uh, switched over from just having teaching modules to coaching. Um, that was in around the time they announced that golf would be in the Olympics and that if we were going to send a coach to the Olympics, we had it actually had to be a coach. We didn't have, at the time, a single certified golf coach in Canada because golf wasn't a sport. It wasn't recognized as a sport. So it became recognized as a sport, um, and then the PGA uh, created the, the coaching modules. So all of a sudden, um, you know, the sport, and there's coaches, and do you want to be a coach or do you want to be a teacher? Um, and I, you know, fortunately, I had already, prior to that, gotten into coaching through my uh, meeting Sean Foley. You know, Sean always did more than fix golf swings. He looked at the whole golfer. And uh, I guess that would be one aspect or difference between teaching and coaching. You're not just trying to get that uh, slice fixed. You're trying to consider the entire human being and everything they do on and off the course and, and treat it more holistically. And uh, so I had had to start in coaching prior to the PGA, you know, and the whole industry moving that way, which, which was great. But, uh, yeah, and I more or less, when Sean left for Florida, I had the opportunity to kind of take over the junior program here at Glen Abbey and take over the program and, and continue just to try to carry the torch from there. And he did a great job with it, and I just try to make it better every year. So give us a, an example of how you work with these juniors, with, particularly when you talk about coaching. Is it that you're going to work on, say, their swing mechanics, but, say, also their tournament preparation um, you know, what are they doing in other parts of their life, say, around fitness or nutrition or yeah. balance? Is, is it encompass all of those things and even more? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think balance is, is a key, like a balanced approach to, to it. And, you know, I, I guess I'll just look at today, guys. Um, they're, they're on their way over here from the gym right now. It's a TPI workout that they just, uh, just finished one hour. Um, my uh, administrator is taking them over to hopefully a healthy location to get some food before they get here. And um, from there, they're going to go into the clubhouse and we're going to do a three-hour uh, workshop, uh, personal effectiveness workshop. You guys are aware that I'm pretty keen on this, but go through a psychological profile. All right. Yep. And they're going to learn, you know, more about themselves, communication preferences, and so on. So um, we're going to do a three-hour workshop, learn more about ourselves and about the people around us, and then they're going to start their 3D sessions. So we're going to start putting them on one at a time over the next two or three days, starting today. They're going to do uh, a swing assessment with what is probably one of the best 3D, uh, the Mark Bull 3D, uh, Paul Hemus 3D system. And Braden Kreiderman, student of mine that I worked with for many years, uh, has transitioned into teaching and coaching. So Braden bought, bought one of these machines, and he's uh, in the back of our building right now. Um, getting started with uh, getting the boys on, on the 3D. The girls actually are going through right now, and the boys will start later this afternoon. Okay, Sean, here's what we're going to do. I don't know why, uh, you know, your phone sounds great at times, and others, we get this weird little phasing effect. i tell you what we're going to do, Swing Thought Nerds. What are you doing? We're going to call Sean back, but... You, it won't. It'll seem seamless because we're just going to edit it together. Okay. So, okay. So just hang on a second, Casey. I'm going to call you right back. Okay. All right. Hang on. Because we can't have that. No, it's. It, it, uh, 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 that's fine. We just keep recording. Sounds like he's a character in uh, Star Trek or something. <laughs> like, no, I know it's weird. We got him up on the screen, and he's got spikes out of his head. Like it was perfect, and then it was like. I, don't know, I wonder. I, don't if, I wonder if they have a. If, if it's on VoIP or something. You know that voice activated? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, voice over IP or whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I think it's going very well, though. Really, really do. Cool. Hey, hang on a second here. Try it again. All right, let's see. All right, Casey, let's see if that works. Can you hear me? I can hear you. See, yeah, I don't know what's going on because like 87% of the time is perfect and then there's this weird Star Wars thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking about these kids and, and teaching kids. I just want to just ask, like, we, we were talking to Nick Trachillo who was coaching uh, the Humber Hawks, very, very fine instructor, great guy, and he also works with young people and I asked him about working with older people and some of the challenges Tim and I were talking to him about where, where you know, you get a few older guys in and uh, and is, was it I want to ask this in a weird way. Were you getting frustrated with older players not seeing the the kind of gains you can make with somebody who's in grade nine or was it just a natural evolution of what, what interested you? Yeah. Like you saw an opportunity it's, it's there. It's a natural evolution. I mean, I still do work with adults uh, up until basically you know, noon to three each day. So uh, once the kids get out of school, I start coaching the kids. Um, but I still still teach some adults in the afternoons. And in the mornings, I'm getting organized, walking the dog, and so on, working out. So, uh, yeah, I teach adults in the afternoons. Of course, that only allows me to teach, you know, seven to ten at any given time throughout the week. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I miss some of the guys I used to work with. I enjoyed it, and uh, I did it for many years. But um, certainly you, you go deeper with the kids, and they seem the kids are more willing to want to go deeper. Some of the adults truly do want to keep it to the golf swing. 
Um, occasionally they see what I'm doing with my kids and they're like, hey, can I get into a program like that? There's the odd one that is interested in, in, in digging into anything and everything that influences their golf. But a lot of adults uh, just want to come in beat balls and try to hit it a little better. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I like digging deep. I want to dig into... The mental, physical, and and uh, and every, emotional, and everything everything that goes into it. So, so case is it more than just making a difference in their golf motion and the numbers going on the card and making a difference in their life? It is. It is. I mean, you know, I, I realize that some of them aren't going to get to to uh, you know maybe the tour or whatever it is. Some of them are even going to strive for college and they may not get there. But you know, it's okay. Set some goals and go after them. But you know, I know a lot of them are going to end up in the business world and, and doing different things with their lives, and I want to have an influence on them. And it's nice, you know, I got a card in the uh, the mail the other day from a former parent. Uh, their kid is now in the States, and it was a, a card written by the parents saying just thank you so much, everything you did for our, our kid over the course of high school and continuing to be a good influence for him. And, and you know, when you get those, it's uh, it's meaningful, and that's that's what I'm trying to do. I want to be of good value to the kid, but with the parent as well. The parents, high school kids, as you guys would know, uh, you know, at times they don't want to listen to their parents, and there's sometimes a little bit of a battle there. And you know, to a degree, I want to carry the torch for the parents for a few years and help instill some good values in their kids, and they can hear it from someone other than their parents that. Hopefully they uh, trust and think somewhat cool or whatever. Yeah, well, it's amazing That's, how yeah, uh, 100%. how stupid kids in high school can think their parents are. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then. Go from the smartest to the dumbest. But what I wanted to say, you know, it's interesting. There's, a, you know, the old phrase in golf, golf doesn't build character, it reveals it. But I think that's wrong. I think that at the younger levels, it can build character. It does build character. There's so much of the game that, you know, the three of us have been around it all our, all our lives, but we forget that, you know, I remember those lessons my dad taught me about where to stand, how to address people. Working at a golf course when I was a kid taught me a lot about how the adult world worked, mm -hmm. how to address people, shake their hand properly, look them in the eye, the, the sort of cornerstones of the etiquette of the game. They, they do build character. Yep. Now, later in life, golf reveals the character that you've become, obviously. But I've been around, you know, Glen Abbey enough when Sean's kids are there. And I was lucky enough, Sean asked me to come over and talk to the kids one morning. I just happened to be on the range getting ready to work on my game again. And you had me come over, and there was about 10 of them. And we just talked a little bit about how I put the decade system into play, how uh, I had written Sean a note a week or so after we had taken the seminar and I wanted Sean to know that it made a difference in how I approached it and just speaking to the kids that day I mean I've been around the Abbey enough over the last three or four years to know how those young boys and girls carries kids uh, how they conduct themselves and it's admirable and I guess you should be proud of yourself because they have turned out to be forget how good a golfers they are they're just decent people yeah yeah they are they're good kids and you know that's on us to uh, to maintain that standard and make sure there's no bad apples, and, and they got to get in line and and sort of adhere to the the expected behaviors. And uh, I do have all the kids now and parents sign a uh, you know three or four page uh, document and initial next to every item. Uh, and I, I do as well. There's a little section for me, the things that I'm. It's basically commitments. It's like here's what we're all committing to. And I found that to make a big, big difference uh, in my program over the last few years is having us all sign that contract. So, Sean, how much – so you talked about commitment. So commitment is a cornerstone of, of people taking action and doing things. 
How big is accountability in coaching, whether it be you know young people or adults, in terms of someone's made a commitment to something, mm-hmm. how does a coach benefit someone by holding them accountable? Yeah, that's huge. And uh, it's one of our four academy values here at Glen Abbey. Um, and uh, absolutely. It's so I think the biggest thing, and, and for me, what I'm excited about is in the future, and we're going to play around with it this winter, um, is developing a questionnaire, a sort of a feedback form that the each of the kids can answer. Otherwise, I'm going to figure out whether we're going to do it at the end of every day or maybe weekly, but um, something that they fill in that's customized for them. So I'm going to have them answer questions. If, the, if it's a kid who doesn't drink enough water, we're going to have them answer some questions on that, um, working out, and so on. So it'll be a customizable questionnaire. I'll get to see the feedback, and then we can chart it over time to see if the habits we're trying to build are moving in the right direction. And that's going to allow me, when I meet with them on a weekly basis, to know before they get there what conversations I want to have with them. So I think the key to future development of the athlete as fast as possible is the coach needs to be aware of where the student is at and what they've been doing with their time when they're not with the coach. That way the coach can be prepared for the next session, have the conversations, as you say, hold their hand through the process and help see it through. So we're doing the show... um we're recording a bunch of them at one time so that we can have them there for our audience. And, and of course, in the wintertime, if you're a golfer, you're still kind of, you know, maybe thinking. I mean, I, I've been I've decided this winter as opposed to the last couple winters where I really wasn't working on my game. I've set some goals for myself um, that are, you know, 12 months and 24 months. And I've been working, you know, pretty hard through the winter now. If somebody wants to work on their game through the winter and they're an adult, uh, let's just get away from kids just for a second. You know, when we when we first started working together, I mean, going indoors in the winter can be beneficial for a lot of reasons because you remove expectations and future outcomes and you can really dig into the motion that you're making. How important do you think that is for people who are listening that want to come out in the spring and, and maybe be a little bit better? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a not, I guess you'd say a firm believer that the secret to success is in the daily routine. I mean, I tell my kids that all the time. Um, I mean, yeah, you can set your goals all you want, but uh, getting there and inching your way towards that is is uh, is look no further than what you did uh, today. The action uh, part. So, yeah, you've got to, uh, that's what the winter is all about, getting indoors, getting the reps in. Um, staying committed to those fields, monitoring them over time, tweaking them, adjusting them as needed. But uh, the winter is that opportunity to, to kind of build some uh, some habit or, or feel that you uh, hope will hold up a little better next summer. Of course, you got to keep on it and, and stay aware of it, but you get enough reps in over the winter, uh, it's not going to feel so awkward or it'll feel more like yours in the spring. Okay, now speaking of awkward, for the second time in this podcast, we're going to call you back, except this time I'm going to call you on your cell phone. Sure. 
because for some reason, Oakville is not liking. I mean, maybe it's the rain, but uh, when you listen back to this, you'll hear what we're talking about because you can't hear it, but we can. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm again, it's like a round of golf. It's not all perfect, but in the end, you know, you hopefully you get a score that you're happy with. We're all resilient. Right. We're resilient. <laughs> we're, we're staying in the now. And we're, we're staying here. And we're not upset. We're not invested in story. We're okay. We're, we're okay. acknowledging the verbal reality, which is sometimes when you're talking, Case, it sounds like you're underwater. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to call you right back on your cell phone. Let's see if that works. All right, kids. Okay, good. Uncle Sean, there we go. Okay, All well, right. Why don't you just chitty think, chat while I phone him again? I, I think he sounds like... Uh, sounds great. Well, I love the content. Yeah. Uh, but he sounds like, I think, when... Uh, you know, on Star Trek, when they get uh, the Romulans would come yes. on screen and they'd phase in and out and I stuff. Like yes, exactly. I wonder if Case would, how he'd look like in Adidas sort of smartware with like one of those Romulan, Romulan forehead and everything. Okay, here we tried again. That'd be really here weird. We go. But, uh, I got a really good feeling now, Case. Are you there? I am there. This wow. is your cell phone. This is myself. Okay, so if we get the underwater effect, then I'll know it's uh, something to do with the line coming out of our studio. Right. Uh, so we're talking about working on stuff. And what I loved about what you said is your, your just say that again about gauging how you're, you're doing base, based on what you did that day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I have this drill uh, my, my pal Nick Trachilio gave me a couple summers ago, and it's the simplest thing. It's basically a ruler. Oh, yeah. And, um, and you put the ball. There's got a little nub at the end of it. It's about three and a half feet. And in order to keep the ball on this ruler, you have to have a fairly pure mm-hmm. uh, arcing and up-released stroke. And I have it set up in my spare room. Was oh, that what you just showed? I was him? just showing Nick. <laughs> I just wanted him to see because I have a, a putting mat up there, a mirror. I've got golf balls. I'm hitting him into a an upside down mattress. But every day, I make I I make myself do that. I don't. I mean, it would be so much easier just to hit putts and have fun. But I make myself hit every putt. I made a commitment that every putt I stroke this winter is going to be on that ruler, and it's a drag because. You know, three out of five, you get on, but it's I, I'm, and you also have to bend down to put the ball every time. on the ruler. <laughs> but it's funny, and I've even noticed over the last couple of weeks, I'm just getting more consistent because nice. I just do it every day. Yep. And every time I think, oh, I'm just going to lose the ruler, and I'm just nope. I made this commitment that from now until the spring, I'm just going to do that drill when I putt. Now I'm going to go play away a couple of times, and I'll play. But my point is, it's just the doing a little bit. A little bit every day helps make the change over time. Yep. It's yep. making the commitment to it is the hard part. Because everyone wants to see you and go, hey, Case, I, I, I'm hitting this cut. Can you show me how? You go, yeah, I can show you how. But it's going to take a bunch of repetitions until you can do it without me watching. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard for a lot of people when you say it's the hard part. But I know lots of people who would tell you it isn't hard. It's It's something that... People, there's a lot of people that actually have a lot of self-discipline. And when they set their mind to something, they follow through with it. And they would tell you it's not hard at all. It's like, I'm going to do that. And then, and then you just watch them. There's no failure. They, they quit smoking the day they told you. And they didn't do another day in their life. Or they said, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And it wasn't a yo-yo effect. They just did it. So, you know, it's hard for some people. It isn't for others. It's just, you know, I can tell you this is I practice self-discipline all the time. Yeah. I love to just practice date delaying my gratification just for fun. Sitting there, Kato, go to you want a cookie, you want a piece of cake, you want a beer, you want to, and I'll just say no. And uh, but you know what? I might 
know that I'm, you know, I'm going to have one after I rake the leaves or I'm going to, something I know I have to do. And I might be like, I'll have one a little later after I get something done. You know, so I'm, I'm just constantly practicing getting stuff done, accomplishing before I allow myself to, to celebrate and, and, and have a little fun and, and, and be gratified. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, for me, it's not hard. Um, I set my mind to lots of things and I do them. And it's, uh, it's a habit that I think is well worth uh, building for anybody. But you're right, a lot of people don't have it. And at the first sign of challenge, they're out. They're done. Okay, so here's what I've discovered. I've discovered it's not you. It's us. Are you in front of your computer? Um, I am, but it's not on. Okay. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn your computer on, and then I'm going to call you on Facebook Messenger, and we'll see if that clears up the line. Because I, it's you're, you're saying too many cool things. It's awesome stuff, man. For, uh, for us to have. Uh, you guys, here's a question. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else that you could do for like 10 minutes yeah would, and you could give me 10 minutes yeah because we're starting a workshop in the clubhouse i yeah. just want to go up make sure everybody's seated and, and then i can separate back out well how, let me ask you this sir do and you i'll have, get on a phone in the clubhouse maybe just try no no it's not you it's, it, there's something you don't know, on our, our end it's it's, on our there's end. something on the on the line on our end okay. that is uh i don't know if it's the weather because it's a, a bell line but do you have a uh, skype um Okay. I don't, well, we, we I don't can, think I do, guys. No, that's fine. We'll just do a Facebook Messenger call. Okay. So you go to your Messenger, and uh, I'll just, uh, you just let, just text us when you're ready in 10 minutes. Again, Swing Thought Kids, this won't make any difference to you because we're just going to edit it. But yeah. um, will you give us 10 minutes, let us know, and then we'll just do it on the computer. Okay. We'll try it. All right, I'll man. You're a great man. Sean Casey, everybody. Talk hey. to Sean Casey. All right. We'll just stop for a second. So is any of the stuff we did? Oh, yeah, uh, we're using usually? it all, man. And we're back. Yeah. Here we are. Okay. We're back. We're doing... You know what? This episode is very much like a round of golf. You it know, is. they... Absolutely. You know, it's funny because one of the things that we were talking about with Nick, and I think is, is another point, a good point to make again, which is, you know, every round of golf is going to have some moments of joy, <laughs> some moments of struggle, and some moments that are just normal. And one of the things that golfers don't seem to get in their heads is that that's how it goes. And, and I guess we, we sometimes get frustrated because we expect it all to go well. And, and I think we were talking about you teaching younger people. And I, I wonder, do they come to golf with that predisposed uh, concepts or or do they are they less sort of in their stories? Most of them do not. I mean, kids get frustrated. They, they learn that behavior. They see it. They see adults losing their minds all over the place. Um, so, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to help them become better than average. I don't want them to be like the average person out there that loses their mind every time the shit hits the fan. And, uh, you know, I want my kids to be resilient and weather those storms. And part of it is just education. I mean, I have to, they have to realize what cortisol is. So I educate them on, on what the stress hormone cortisol is and why it's bad to spike it. And I think it helps. It helps it when they, when you kind of communicate to them, well, why wouldn't I want to lose my mind? You know, it kind of feels good to do it in the moment. <laughs> oh yeah. And, yes. uh, Absolutely. So you kind of have to educate them and say, look, well, here's, here's why you might not want to lose it and have your temper rise and your emotions flare and your heart get all out of whack and spiked and chaotic heart rhythm. Um, because in golf, you got another shot you got to hit pretty soon. And you'd be better off to not be in that chaotic state. And it's not easy 
to get back to coherent or whatever you want to call it, where you're back into a good, calm, clear-headed, making good decisions state. Um, it takes time. You know what it's like. You get in a fight with your girlfriend or whatever in life. Uh, you're not uh, back to tickety-boo in two minutes no matter what. It takes time for your body to uh, bring those cortisol levels down and get back to normal. So in golf, you don't want to spike them because you're not going to be able to get them back to normal uh, real quick. And take a couple holes. And I'll tell you one thing about you that I don't know if we've ever had this conversation, but I've played in a, a few rounds of tournament golf. You know, I say that in quotations because it's not a it's a sort of a fun tournament, but it's a tournament where scores are counted and people are going to see what you shot. And I've played in this pro-am now probably three or four years with Sean and you know, Sean comes off the teaching range and has to go and play tournament golf. And I will tell you, you practice what you preach because, you know, we've played some rounds of golf where it's not going great for you. And yet you're <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, you know, like yet you still what I love about it is and I play a lot of tournament golf. So I observe people in their, you know, heightened state. And one of the things I admire about you is no matter what you're shooting, two things are constant. You're always in a mood, a mode, I should say, of state management, meaning that you're not too high and too low, and you never give up. And yet, you, and the third thing is you're committed to your routine, whether you're shooting 75 or 85. Yep. Because you know, because you have figured out that there is a, a, a way to go about this that gives you at least the chance yep. of good results. Yep. Shot 86 with you, Howard, back in September. And you know what? I remember it clearly. Uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, I don't want to go out and shoot 86, but the other yeah, reality was it was my first tournament since probably last year, and I probably shot the same thing. And the tough thing is, for me, is knowing that I can better. So there's where the expectations come in. I mean, I didn't play all winter, and I go down, well, you know, November, December, January, I go down to the PGA show, and my first round of golf, I shoot even par. So I know I can do that. And then I didn't play again until the end of March, and I go down to Arizona, and I shoot even par three days in a row. So that's the tough part is I, I, I know I've proven to myself I can take long periods of time off, go out, and play really solid golf. Uh, not necessarily, not tournaments, but competing amongst my other friends, foursomes, moms on the line. We're competing, and believe me, I want to do well. But then I go into a tournament like that, a pro-am, for the first time in a year, and boom, 86. And it's tough. And I'll, I tell you, I, I, I want to be enjoyable to be around those days, and I do, I do enjoy them. But I'll, I'll tell you, I definitely would enjoy them a lot more if I was shooting even far. Like oh, I, I know I can. I, I, <laughs> but, I totally yeah. get that. But it's it's not like you're, um, you know, if you shoot 86, you don't worry that Howard's not going to like you anymore. Exactly. And that's that's the reason I can actually still enjoy it out there is uh, we're going to have a good day. And uh, 72 or 86, it's going to be a good time. And I'm going to try to hit the next shot as best I can. Unfortunately, uh, it ended up being 86 shots. Well, but, you know uh, what? It's funny because I remember the first year we played that Pro-Am, probably four or five years ago, when I was struggling and I was, you know, still I hadn't sort of figured a, a lot of stuff out. And, I, and I was, it was a struggle for me. And I, and I wanted to play well. And we were with Gortner. I wanted to be, you know, as good as those guys. And, and I wasn't it, – it was, it was tough to play because I, I was – I was just losing my shit all the time. And, and <laughs> Your story wasn't working out. It wasn't working out. But And then over the course of time, it's interesting because every every year that's gone by and we play together in the fall, I, can, I feel differently about the game. I feel differently about playing with you. And I couldn't tell you from year to year what I shot. I just know I have a great time. Yeah. 
I, I really don't know. I mean, I played decent, but the number isn't the I, what we, what we learn is that the number isn't the point. The point is we have a good time together. We have a great meal at the end of it. And uh, yeah, we would both like to shoot our best scores on those days, but it's really about how you show up as a friend, as a player, as a coach, as a student, all that stuff is really, and, and you know what, we've, you've certainly seen the improvement in my golf game, but I think the biggest improvement is in my, you know, mental sort of feel to, to be around for five hours. You know, and we played with some, some great guys and some quirky guys, and we always have a good time. Yeah, it, it takes time. In, in life to get to the point uh, I don't know if you can get to the point where you do not care what anybody thinks but you, it takes time to get to a point where you can really put that in its place and, and, and really not care as much about what people think about your game and uh, you know it's been the biggest revelation for me as, as a kid I cared deeply what those around thought about me uh, both on and off the golf course just in life and uh that's probably been the biggest revelation for me in my 30s and now 40. Uh, it took me to get to my 30s to kind of figure out what ego was and uh, and really just put my priorities in, in what I'm doing and really just stay focused on doing the right things, treat, still treating people the right way, likely still building good relationships and not, not saying I don't care what anybody thinks about me, but I certainly care a heck of a lot less than I used to about what people think about me. And when I play – that has made a big difference in being able to enjoy shooting 86 with people <laughs> and not be stressed out to the nines about what they're thinking about my game the whole time, yeah. which would make it even worse. It, it might still be an 86, but it would be an 86 uh, and five hours of really being stressed versus 86 of not, not, not too stressed, just can't seem to get it going here. you know. Mm-hmm. And the world so. and, and the sun came up the next day. And your wife still gave you a kiss in the morning. <laughs> Life goes yep. on. It's it's but, exactly, but it's the investment. So that's why I love um, the fact that you're working with these young these young men because getting that message across that it doesn't matter what other people think. That's a hard one. Yeah. But for young people, when they're trying when they're trying to sort out where their identity is and who they are, if you're trying to meet some standard of what cool is or whatever like that bar just changes constantly and wow that's just a great lesson to learn um whether you're you're 15 or 25 or 45 yep i'm I'm so excited my boys are upstairs in the jack nicholas suite as we speak they just started the three-hour seminar and uh they're going to learn so much about themselves and their parents are there to hear it as well so you know their parents are going to learn more about their kid and that'll probably improve the relationships between them um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited you know, uh, for what they're going to learn today. You were talking about what you learned in your 30s, and and I, I we can tell you as guys that are you know a little older than you that one of the great lessons I've learned in my 50s is that what other people think about me is really none of my business. And I've been yeah. in, I've been in a job for 40 years where whether it was radio or television or on stage where there's a lot of feedback. I get a lot of <laughs> I get a lot of people saying great things about me, but I can direct you to some sites online yeah. where people are saying shitty things about me and it's hard not to pay attention to it, but at a certain point you kind of go that's really none of my business, and as long as it's none of my business, it doesn't affect me. And you don't have any control yeah. over it. I got no control over it, and I um, the improvement of my tournament play 
has been similar or commiserate with my lessening of what you think of my game because yeah. I'm I'm confident in what I know I can do. And hey, listen, if I show up one day and you know I shoot seventy five, that's cool. If I shoot eighty five, we're still going to be buddies, and I can't wait to get to that buffet <laughs> when, this, <laughs> when, when this round about- is over. <laughs> What's that? Shrimp shrimp cocktail at the turn. The shrimp cocktail at the turn. Me and Case, I, I, I didn't even want to play the next hole. I said, I'll just leave me here. I'll just keep eating this. Yeah. They have shrimp cocktail at this tournament. It's um, And then, wait, then in the buffet, they have real sushi. So that's, yeah. And that's going to be there whether you and I shoot 85 or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was like Justin uh, and the staff at Cedar Bray do such a good job with that, with that pro-am. It's one of the best. But that's also the beauty of golf and having – with buddies having a good time i remember being on this trip to uh broodnell in pei and i'm playing with bob weeks and we're walking to the tee we're walking back to i think the 10th tee and we go back and it's a fam thing so first they give us a, br- a brandy sniff <laughs> oh boy and yeah. we walk another 10 feet and they open up this humidor box with cigars <laughs> and we're walking you know drivers in the crooks of our elbow Brandy, cigars, and weeks he looks at me and he goes, Yet another reason golf is better than tennis. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no, and, and it take but I'll tell you what uh, it takes uh, a long time, I think, if you're, you know, competitive and like a lot of men, very ego driven. It takes a long time to kind of figure out where to prioritize the you know, the round of golf, you know, I, I, when Sean asks me, I am always delighted to get the invitation. I'm no I'm no longer interested maybe four years ago I wanted Sean to see how good I was but now I know I, I don't care like it's great that you see me improve but it's more fun for me to go out and hang with you for five hours and we have a great day and I love the golf course and Justin as you say is a great host and those are the things that become important yeah it's cool if we can talk golf and technique and you can see some improvement it's in my motion but it's really about the day itself and I always admire you know, you and, and the way you can sort of, you know, you sure you want to shoot 72, but whatever number shows up is less important than just showing up. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one, one nice thing is I don't keep score. Um, I know when I had a putt on the last hole, I don't know why in my mind, I thought it was to break 90. It felt like a 90. <laughs> so the funniest thing was I stressed over this putt on the last hole and I'm thinking it's for 90, but it was really for 85, and um, I missed it. And I, and then when I saw the the scores posted, 86. So it was amazing. I've never looked up and been so happy with an 86. <laughs> Sean, I love the fact that you're that uh, that that you of all people, you know, a, a golf professional. Uh, you still, you know, we talk this, we can talk about, you know, not caring, but we do care. That's the hard part, you know, and. But so, it's caring with perspective. Yeah, there you go. There you mm-hmm. go. Well, I would like to tell my golf team, we slightly don't care. Slightly. Yeah. So, so Sean, how do you, we've been talking about resiliency, um, you know, be able to bounce back, you know, from say, you know, a tough round of golf or during a round and not caring about external validation. How do you work mm-hmm. with your juniors? You work with really good players, um, you know, elite juniors. In the tournament preparation, how do you work with them to so they can be resilient and not care so much about what others are thinking, but they're still trying to compete and post a good number? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it'd be like the elephant in the room. I mean, to, to, to say they don't care, and, and it's always going to be there. Like, we can't, exactly. can't just pretend it's not. It's But – 
you know, the thing is, is you can bring them back and you can get them focusing on things they can control. And, uh, and that's the key. You know, you prepare as best you can. If you're prepared, your state is more likely to be maintained because when you go to get a snack, if it's in the bag, uh, your state will be a little better than if you go to get a snack and, and you don't see the beverage cart for another two hours, you're going to get really hungry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, managing your state uh, and being prepared goes a long way. But there is no doubt you are going to get stress. This game is going to be difficult. There are going to be moments of stress. And that's where you have to have coping mechanisms. You have to have things you can do to get back on the rails and be get back to present. Um, so, you know, heart math, breathing techniques, just focus techniques. You see tour players when they're stressed, they are sometimes they're bouncing the, the, the ball off the club. That's not, they're not doing that because they're just so chilled out and relaxed. They're doing that to stay focused. They got a little delay. There's an extra group on the tee and uh, they'll just sit there and bounce the ball on the club because it keeps their eyes focused and it gives them something to focus on. So doing a little bit of focus training, some deep breathing. Um, you know, you have to have things that you can do that gets you back to being present when your mind's uh, thinking about what you're going to score or what you're going to shoot or what people are going to think about you and so on and so forth. So, Yeah, awesome stuff. Yeah. It's having a game plan. Well, that's the thing is, yeah. is, is we all know that in every, like today, you know, we're all, you know, this. If the, I will tell you this. If this was three years ago and we had the phones not work and we would be all oh like, God. yeah, but where now it's like, listen, I, hey, sometimes the phone doesn't work. Shit happens. It's like, but but you have to be, uh, aware and I think what you're saying is have techniques or have um, you know you need to you need to know a game plan when when stuff goes wrong because it's going to go wrong uh, yep. if you're a, if you're a weekend golfer and you think that this is the Saturday that you're gonna have your best round well as soon as that goes away you're done for the day a lot of people just give up early because it didn't go according to what they were their aspirational dreams of, of the perfect round well there isn't one yeah you, 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 over time, you learn that the best case scenario to turn things around and get back to good and get back to playing well or feeling good or whatever it is or getting your phones working, get your video show back on the rails, uh, you, learn, you, you learn over the years that there are things you can do to that influence the outcome and get it moving in the right direction, and there's things you can do that completely throw it off the rails. Um, so you just you just control what you can, and the nice thing about life, the more you go through it, you realize that you can get through things, and the things that seem like catastrophes in the past are no longer. And over time, you you do learn that uh, you know what we can get through this, and we can make this this challenging day or this challenging moment uh, worse, or start moving in a direction of better. Yeah, and uh, you you do things that uh, to keep you calm and. Uh, you come up with a strategy, but if you're losing your mind, maybe you don't think to go to Facebook Messenger to get on this phone call with me. <laughs> and when you're losing your mind on the golf course, maybe you don't make good decisions. Your brain tends not to think as well when you're in a chaotic emotional state. You know, people in the States with guns everywhere, the problem is that we are emotional beings and we get emotional and people don't make good decisions when they're emotional. And in Canada, that leads to maybe a little fisticuffs, but in the States, it leads to someone being dead. Um, you know what? So we have to manage our emotions to make better decisions. And uh, 
that's a really important uh, no, fundamental sure. well, in my program. Well, just, yeah, this I, is I love that. Awesome like in, in Canada, you get mad and uh, you honk at the person in the Tim Hortons lineup. Yeah, but when yeah. What, because we're so passive aggressive, we wait till they're thirty oh, yeah. yards away no, from right. us. What a jerk! I should have given him what for. But yeah. what I the more I do this coaching thing, case and hang out with smart people like you and Howard, is I learn that golf is the golf is such a great teacher. And the things that we learn in golf, we can take to other parts of our life. Like what you are talking about is so applicable through all parts of life, however old you are. Like when you're, yep. you know, you, you get into like a, you know, some starts your your girlfriend or your partner or whatever starts to, you get into it. Well, you better not lose your shit. Otherwise, you yep. might say some really damaging things. Or at exactly. work, or at work, you get triggered about something with uh, with a colleague or a boss. Wow, you better be able to hold it together or some yep. crappy stuff is going to happen. Well, and you better exactly. have some mature-er coping mechanisms. Yes. You know, one of the strategies to fall back on. You know, what, you know we talk a lot in, the, in this show, and, and golfers are familiar with the idea that, you know, the question that uh, confounds golfers is why can't I hit the ball on the golf course the way I hit it on the range? And it was one of the questions fundamentally that we struggled with early on in the show. And I remember Carl Morris, I think it was him, that said the reason people struggle is because it's the first shot of consequence that they've hit that day. And that gets back to when, because there's going to be some consequence to your act, your activity. And if you're not ready for it, if you don't practice with, you know, transfer training and all kinds of things, it becomes, it's a big surprise that this, this shot counts. That, that yeah. seven iron you hit on the range didn't count. And when it yeah. counts, whether it's an argument with your, you know, your, your partner or it's, uh, you know, you're getting mad at your boss, when things count, they have heightened consequences. Yep. And I think that's been a revelation to a large degree in, in the teaching and coaching world. I think uh, the, the the good players out there, the tour players, are well averse on, on this, and you know they are certainly practicing differently than many pros practiced years ago. I think the 80s, 90s, whatever, even previous to that, there was a certain level of they just hit thousands of golf balls until they hit it really good. Uh, but they, I think today they practice smarter. I think I uh, certainly there's some players out there that practice sort of sun up to sundown, but there's a lot more balance, I think, with the tour pros today in terms of their lives and having families. And I just think they're better practicers. They get more out of it. I don't think they practice uh, as much as some of the ball beaters used to, but they practice smarter and they get sort of more value for their reps than, than I would say the, uh, the in the past. So give me an, an example of, of how the tour players – today practice smarter than yesteryear i think a lot of people i remember my dad saying uh my dad was a, a pretty good player in his day and uh he said he'd go hit balls till his hands bled you know he equated yep. hard work with the amount of balls you hit on the range but i so give us an example of how tour players today practice smarter well there's more time per ball and they're getting feedback you know they're just with TrackMan and so on or training aids uh, there's usually a little more there uh, when they're doing block practice and working on a feel. What do you mean and by they take more get... time? What do you, I just want to just go a little Sorry? deeper on that. What do you mean they take more time per ball? Well, there, there's a there's a definite uh, outcome that they're trying to achieve 
and more time for ball, they're going to do more preparation before the ball. Like you're going to see Justin Rose or whoever, you're going to see them have this like sometimes funky looking pre-swing feel that looks super exaggerated and they're going to do it three times slowly, um, maybe gradually speed it up as they get ready to hit the ball. And then they hit the ball. And even when they hit the ball, they have the smart ball, uh, tour striker smart ball between their arms. And they mm-hmm. got the track man, track man going and a stick in the ground on their right hip so they don't slide back and whatever. So there's, there's all these little forms of feedback. So there's lots of time put in to prepare. There's little feedback mechanisms that if things go off the rails, they're going to find out. Um, yeah, so there's just a lot more feedback mechanisms and time put into each shot. You know, it's funny because I was never really a big track man guy. I've had opportunities, you know, the last four or five years to start working with it a little bit. But I have found this year working with it indoors is I have this this thing I'm trying to achieve and I can see instantly if I'm achieving it because the, I, because the number that's affected by this move I'm working on, I can see it right away. And, yep. and and I don't I don't need to see where the ball goes so much as I need to see if that number I'm talking about I'm just, the um it's the number of the of the uh, the amount of uh, how much ahead you are it's I can't remember how what it is it's the um, the dynamic low block? point no the low point oh yeah because yeah. I traditionally am a bit of a picker I I don't yep. I, I I was sort of picking the ball off and now I'm trying to get it so that there's you know, like a pro, like the the, the TGA Tour number is around three point yeah. five to four, and mine was like one. So now yeah. I can see if I get a two point oh, yeah. three, a two point eight, a three point oh, I go, ooh, okay, that 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 motion produced that number, and I can yep. check it, and I can check it every time. So I don't need to see the ball curve out into the 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 driving range. I can see if oh, okay, that time my feel was real. I can see that number was where it was supposed to be. And that's what yeah. I kind of think you're talking about is there's feedback mechanisms. I know that some people get trackman obsessed. Itis. Trackmanitis. But I think in, in if you're looking for specific feedback, it's great. Yeah. And it's customizable. Like you don't have to have all forty eight or whatever parameters <laughs> yeah. up on the screen. Yeah. You can if you wanted, you could just put that one number up and fill a forty six inch screen with that number. Yeah. Which is nice. You're not getting inundated with uh, with data you don't need, and I think that's important. There's so much to this game. That's you were just with TrackMan alone. There used to be 48. I think there's more now. Yeah. Um, but you look at the entire game of golf and how many different things influence the outcome, and that's why I told you guys I'm excited about the future with each athlete. If we can have a customizable uh, plan and process and feedback mechanism where they're answering questions maybe before they go to bed every night about their process and what they did today and the coach has access to that information we can make it as simple as possible birdie golf when it came out was great i loved it but it was the same 10 to 15 minute questionnaire for everybody and what if i have an athlete that is absolutely a 10 out of 10 on the physical side and they're doing all the right things well why would i make him take five minutes out of his night to answer questions on something he's 10 out of 10 let's get him answering questions in an area on something that we're trying to change and make better so the future of of birdie golf and working with jay we're trying to make it customizable for each athlete and i think that's going to really uh lessen the the learning curve make everything happen a little bit faster Cool. Well, Sean, as we as we wind up here, um, so this podcast is going to go out um, December, and so a lot of people will be working indoors. So, it, so just briefly, if you will, 
you work at an indoor academy through uh, through the winter months. What would you recommend to somebody who's thinking, yeah, I'd like to get my game so I can hit the pavement running and be a little bit better come springtime? What would you recommend to uh, to someone that they could do over the winter time? Well, I think work with a reputable coach first of all. Um, you know, somebody who who uh, is known to uh, be a good influence on their students and has a good reputation and. Uh, and allow them to help guide you through uh, through your process. So I think that can be can really be a difference maker. I mean, obviously, I'm touting my own industry and what I do, but I really do believe we have some great coaches in the GTA. So I think take advantage of that. Um, find find a coach uh, where you are uh, that has a good reputation and uh, do an assessment. Let that coach get get to know you a little bit, your goals and and what you currently do, what your current process is. And then allow that coach to uh, help build uh, build some goals and 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 the pathway to where you want to get to. But like I say, then you need to check in regularly. You, you I think you need those regular check ins. There's the occasional student that can get by with, okay, you go work at it. I'll see you in a month. But my recommendation would be to meet with the coach uh, more regularly. Yeah, I would say at least weekly. Mm. Once a week is good. You go out, you work on it, you come back, and that way, if you're not doing things correctly you can get it dialed in without doing the wrong thing for a month so right. no, that's a great point weekly check-ins with the with a coach and uh i think that's the way to go sean casey they would uh they'd be lucky to have a, a young man like yourself not well listen you're not as young as you were when we met you but i mean <laughs> you're doing all right kid I, the grays how, are just continuing casey, to battle through that, the brown hairs They're that's big, how you know uh, you're talking to a couple old guys we call you kid Exactly. I call 40-year-olds kids. Sean Casey's uh, at the uh, Glen Abbey Academy, the director of instruction. And, uh, you know, it's been too long since we've had you on the show. It's always an engaging conversation. And uh, we certainly appreciate your time, Case. Thanks again, my friend. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. All the best. Good luck. Have See a happy pal. holiday season. Yep. And you too. Uh, there we go. Now, um, I just do, how do I do this? I said, where is Casey? I can't find you on my computer. So you hang up and we'll hang up. Oh, there okay, boys. Go. All right, my friend. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. There's Sean Casey, everybody. Where's he gone? Oh, there, yeah, you there. Now it says, uh, there you go. He's off. He's, he's gone off. into messenger land. Is gone. Yeah, messenger. That was good. And he's. I always forget how uh, heady he is. Eh? Oh, he's, he really is something else. He's a deep thinker. Absolutely is. But the thing that comes through with Case to me is how much he cares for these kids. Yeah. He really, really does, and um, that's why he's such a great coach is it's that yeah he works with them around you know the swing mechanics and wants them to do well in tournaments but he walks his talk it's about them i've had many conversations with him because we've shared some of the same uh students Mm -hmm. and you know the stuff that goes on off the course he spends almost as much time with that stuff as he does working on your backswing and that's why in his case casey is building you know good human beings that happen to be golfers as opposed to concentrating on you know your swing path and the angle of attack um our program is brought to you by TaylorMade and adidas and uh thanks to uh you know casey uh tim o'connor o'connorgolf.ca uh golf's where's your later hamlinfredradio.com 
And uh, it was great seeing you in person again. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to be back in oh, here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, congratulations on um, relaunching the show on the Hamilton station. Funny and, 820. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, good to see that's really going well. Yeah, you can hear it in uh, Guelph, by the way. Absolutely. It goes all, like literally, one of the, it's one of the juiciest signals in southern Ontario. It's 820 a.m. You can also stream it on the iHeartRadio app, and we'll see you next time. Step inside.